0: The internet is a huge part of our lives, but putting it into our fiction can be difficult. Many writers leave it out of their stories entirely. Others try to incorporate it into their fiction with awkward results. How should our fiction handle the internet? Should our fiction try to handle the internet at all? Here to talk about this is linguist and cartoonist R.E. Parrish.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Now, you suggested this topic. What is it that made you want to talk about it?
1: Yeah, more so than I I do comics, but I don't write published written fiction or anything. So I'm more just a, a fan, a, like a reader. And I've always been intrigued by How people try to incorporate the internet, or even specifically social media, into novels, especially those from the last like ten years or so, and how how rare it is that I that I personally think it totally succeeds, and I just I find it fascinating the ways that it can be good and the ways that it it doesn't work so much. So. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah, it it's weird. I mean it that you say that it can succeed, but so often it doesn't. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it is odd, right? Because if you if you read older novels, if you read any 19th century literature, you're going to find there are tons of long sections where people write letters to each other. Dracula is, is diary entries mm-hmm. and letters. There are big, big sections of Pride and Prejudice where it's Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy writing back and forth to each other. Tons and tons of 19th century literature involves these long, long, long flowery letters. Huge portions of these novels are letters. And, and there's, I mean, a lot of novels and stories are written entirely as letters in the epistolary format. And it works great. It works beautifully. But we don't see this, much of that in contemporary fiction with the Internet, right? It, th- mm-hmm. There's been very little Internet epistolary so I'm trying to figure out what what is it about the internet that lends itself so poorly to the novel as compared to long form letter writing.
1: Right, I know. I, I remember like back when I was in like middle school or something. It was sort of uh, the mid 2000s, and there there are this sort of wave of, of books that were written in AIM speak, like. Right. <laughs> so uh for mostly for kids or teenagers so so not terribly serious just sort of documenting the the ups and downs of these these teenage protagonists' lives and their interactions with each other and even though i mean those felt a little bit forced a little bit hello fellow kids kind of (laughs) even at the time so yeah and and it's it's really not as common. You're right, as as the old fashioned actual letter epistolatory novel, and it's it's hard to say. Like, do you think people are are scared of that, or do you think they just think don't think it's a good idea? Since so you're 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 a writer, so what have you thought about stuff like this? I guess I mean, is my question.
0: In my case, I think it's the the issue of of time. I'm. Trends move fast. Social media, internet trends move fast. You know, slang, the the platforms that are popular, the way people communicate, the expressions they use, it all moves super fast and publishing moves so slowly, right? Mm-hmm. Like between the time when you decide, I'm going to start a novel versus when your novel comes out is going to be years for the right. most part. And by then it's going to be wildly different slang. Maybe you've I mean, if you'd started a novel in the early 2010s, what platform were people going to be on? What social met? met, You might have a lot of young people on Facebook and like Mm -hmm. (laughs) now, you know, it's it's for your racist uncle. It's exactly (laughs) it's for your weird anti-vaxxer aunt. It's not for young people anymore. Or like, oh, my God, what memes were people using five years ago? What were people using reaction gifts back then or I mean now it's like oh god that means you're older now it's not Mm -hmm. a cool young person anymore so if i'd like started a novel trying to involve trying to write about the internet and incorporate the internet and social media in it in the way that it's incorporated into our real lives which is such a big part of our lives and a big part of why how we communicate it would be hilariously outdated Mm -hmm. by now or or i guess i'd have to like use a fake name, like you wouldn't call it Facebook, you'd call it something else, but then it's usually pretty obvious, like, all right, this is just a stand-in for Facebook, this thing you're describing. This is like, (laughs) especially because right now, like, what are young people on? I guess young people are on TikTok or something now. There's not really a way that you could, oh, (laughs) just change the name, but the way you interact on Facebook is wildly different than the way you interact and and engage with other people on fucking TikTok. It's such a Mm -hmm. crazy different experience. It's a different way of engaging. So this thing that was very up to date and, and very modern is now like, okay, grandma. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> and and I think that's even worse. If you see writing that tries to sort of incorporate either either memes or like certain turns of phrase that are popular, like it, th- that stuff comes and goes so quickly. It It's so easy to date yourself with Including stuff like that in in fiction,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I guess you'd have to come up with fake memes and and fake slang or something, right. but that's really hard to do effectively.
1: <laughs> exactly. It still sounds
0: very hello, fellow kids.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I became interested in this topic. I'm gonna read from and just a really quick excerpt from a an article from Prospect Magazine, which was written by Imogen West Knights um, about what is called the internet novel, which came out last year when there was this sort of crop of fiction that was about social media. And so there was this sort of topic online in, in fiction circles, I guess for like a week, but there is, there is a a book called fake accounts that, that is quoted in this article that I did read by Lauren Euler that talk, that, that addresses the point of, writing about the internet which and and the quote is why would i want to make my book like twitter if i wanted a book that resembled twitter i wouldn't write a book i would just spend even more time on twitter (laughs) and so this article says it's probably true that we don't want to read books exactly like twitter social media offers the highly simplified form of storytelling and initially more addictive pleasure than the slower, deeper ones of literature. The point is not to enact a sort of warped Turing test in which the writer tries to mimic a computer as closely as possible, but the style doesn't render things exactly like a Twitter feed. And it does, in my view, get to something true about the way the internet has affected our minds. So...
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not just the, the pace. That's a good idea of time. Because it's not just the pace at which social media changes, but it's the pace at which we read on social media versus mm-hmm. like you've got to think that when it's posting, it's these little things you're firing off a little bit at the, at a time very, very quickly. You don't really take a lot of time to think about a post and craft a post. And if you look at your feed on whatever social media platform, it's very much an endless now. It's these little ephemeral things that are meant to be, like, eaten and then forgotten. You know, it's like eating potato chips. You just eat a potato chip and you never think about that potato chip again. Whereas letters, at least old-fashioned writing letters, people would really, like, sit down and carefully compose these. And when you're sending them, especially in, like, ye olden times, you're thinking, it's going to be a while (laughs) before this thing reaches the destination. So... The relationship between like Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy writing each other letters, I th- feel is temporally is a lot closer to the relationship between writer and reader of a novel. Yeah. Than than to, you know, Twitter user and Twitter follower.
1: Yeah, I can think of a recent book that that sort of tried to get around this by having the two, it's, it's Sally Rooney's most recent book, Beautiful World, Where Are You? where she had the sort of two main characters email each other in this they deliberately chosen to write each other like letter-like emails instead Hmm. of conversing on social media so that i well i'm just guessing here possibly because it is uh either easier or more fun or more appealing to write than than something like writing instagram dms (laughs) between friends or something but it is much more like Something like Dracula or, or another sort of old fashioned epistolatory novel than something that incorporates, I don't know, characters DMing each other, like
0: I said. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's also there's also the reality that a lot of the the communication online isn't just text. You know, you're sending emojis, you're sending if, if you're um, in your 30s or older, uh, mm-hmm. you're sending animated GIFs or reaction images and Maybe you're sending links to things, video clips, blah, 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 which like mm-hmm. a book, you don't, you're not yeah. going to do that. <laughs> no. You, you can't physically do these things in a book.
1: If you tried to, I think it would be, at least for me, it would be a little tiresome, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, uh... just, when you see an emoji in a book, it's just like, no, <laughs> no. It Even exactly. if you use emojis in real life, when you see them in a book, just, oh, no, I don't, <laughs> don't like this. Exactly. And I'm also thinking of the style communication in in DM is a lot, a lot more glib. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, it, it it's very glib and and short and quick and a lot less eloquent and flowery, mm-hmm. you know. And and it, it's fine because in a short post, that sort of glib and, and breezy style works. But right. if like 200 pages of that,
1: it, yeah, it's gonna get like all the characters are gonna talk in a very samey way. If you want to make it anything approaching realistic because no one's bothering to to craft their own voice in an Instagram DM, or at least I don't
0: when I'm talking to my friends. Yeah, you know, now that you mentioned it, there's an internet-y way of communicating too Mm -hmm. that's also particular to each social platform. There's a very Twitter irony type of way. There's a very Facebook uncle type of way to talk. (laughs) Back in the live journal days, there was a very live journal-y type of way of talking. There's a something awful type of way of talking and everybody... Mm ends up sort of writing that way right even if you have your own very unique writing style you sort of end up writing things that way and again it works on a message board or something but 200 fucking pages of all these people who end up using the same cadence is Mm -hmm. it sounds like a nightmare to read this
1: shit right exactly no i i I wouldn't i'd tap out (laughs) yeah i don't think i could i could take it yeah so i guess the the other aspect of internet fiction then and uh one of the reasons why i thought of this topic in the first place was actually reading your short story the empath uh, when that was published and not that that like is is like about about the internet but it seems sort of influenced by ideas from the, from the internet or, or social media, to me at least. So uh, I guess the, the other sort of side of that coin being people trying to portray the way of thinking that comes from being online in fiction, as opposed to literally portray being like, there's a new dystopian app. Uh, could it be bad or whatever? Right. The <laughs> so, black
0: mirror way. Exactly. <laughs> what if your mum wore an app? What then? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I tend to think that, that that is more compelling in the form of a novel or a short story than what if your mom wore an app, personally.
0: I, it definitely, I think, kind of ages better. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, I imagine if I, because the empath absolutely was about a kind of rhetorical style or, or social mm-hmm. dynamic that is very prominent online. But the story does not take place online; it takes place in the forest f- with no computers or cell phones, right? In there, and, and that's mean, why I think it
1: works. Yeah. Like to, <laughs> to me, at least, like I, I think it really works that way, taking yeah. that idea and putting it in a different context
0: works a lot better if it had just been on a message on on a social media site it would just be like okay whatever (laughs) just log off just (laughs) log the fuck off okay yeah and it wouldn't age very well people in the forest that ages quite well there will still be people in forests in 100 years probably that no there's probably not going to be a twitter in 100 years thank god
1: yeah absolutely um i I I'm gonna do the horrible thing I always do now, and I I joke that every time I'm on a podcast, I I'm gonna talk about David Foster Wallace, except That's for okay. the time I was on a David Foster Wallace podcast when I really wanted to talk about Dune. Um, <laughs> it can never win. But there's this there's this essay that he wrote in the early '90s that probably a lot of people ha- are familiar with, or they're or have heard of, it's about sort of television and fiction called "E unibos. Plurum, and he's talking about sort of postmodernism, irony, and the current state of American fiction. And his his sort of focus was television, as opposed to the internet, which I think is probably more more of a concern for for people of our generation. But um Right.
0: I mean he was this is eighties and nineties. It was exactly. all TV. I mean, Don DeLillo wrote mm-hmm. White Noise, all about TV killing your brain and things
1: exactly yeah so he he's sort of describing here and i'm gonna i'm gonna quote from this as well because uh if i try to paraphrase it i'm gonna mess it up but he's talking about image fiction and uh this sort of particular response to television that was sort of then popular or or prominent in 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 american literature so the 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 essay says uh The particular fictional subgenre I have in mind has been called by some editors post-postmodernism and by some critics hyper-realism. Most of the younger readers and writers that I know call it the fiction of image. Image fiction is basically a further involution of the relations between lit and pop that blossomed with the 60s postmodernists. The new fiction of image uses the transient received myths of popular culture as a world in which to imagine fictions about real, albeit pop-mediated, public characters. Early use of imagist tactics can be seen in The Delillo of Great Jones Street, The Coover of The Public Burning, and in Max Apple, whose 70 short stories, The Oranging of America, projected an interior life onto the figure of Howard Johnson. It's, a, it's in the last couple of years, though, that the image fiction scene has really taken off. A.M. Holmes's 1990, The Safety of Objects, features a stormy love affair between a boy and a Barbie doll. Volman's 1989 The Rainbow Stories has Sony's as characters in Heideggerian parables. Mark Lehner's 1990 campus smash My My Cousin, My Gastroenterologist, less a novel than what the book jacket copy describes as a fiction analog of the best drug you ever took features everything from meditations on the color of carefree panty shields wrappers to Big Squirrel, the TV kitty show host, and Kung Fu mercenary to NFL instant replays as an X-ray vision, which shows leaping skeletons in a bluish void surrounded by 75,000 roaring skulls. One thing I have to insist you realize about this new subgenre is that it's distinguished not by a certain neo-postmodern technique, but by a genuine socio-artistic agenda. The fiction of image is not just a use or mention of televisual culture, but actually a response to it. An effort to impose some sort of accountability on the state of affairs in which more Americans get their news from television than from newspapers, and in which more Americans every evening watch Wheel of Fortune than all three network news programs combined. And please see that image fiction, far from being a trendy avant-garde novelty, is almost atavistic. It is a natural adaptation of the hoary techniques of literary realism to a 90s world whose defining boundaries have been deformed by electric signal. For realistic, f- realistic fiction's big job used to be uh, to afford easements across borders to help readers leap over walls of self and locale and show us unseen or dreamed of people and cultures and ways to be. Realiz- realism made the strange familiar. Today, when we can eat Tex-Mex with chopsticks and while listening to reggae and watching a Soviet satellite newscast of the Berlin Wall's fall, (laughs) this is very 90s, um, i.e. when darn near everything presents itself as familiar, it's not a surprise that some of today's most ambitious realistic fiction is going about trying to make the familiar strange. In doing so, demanding fictional access behind lenses and screens and headlines and reimagining what human life might truly be like over there across the chasms of illusion, mediation, demographics, marketing, image, and appearance, image fiction is paradoxically trying to restore what's mistaken for real to three whole dimensions, to construct a univocally round world out of disparate streams of flat sight. And he sort of goes on to say why he thinks it does not succeed at... Uh <laughs> this. Yeah, no. Uh he he talks about um He says, it's not the rescue from a passive addictive TV psychology that it tries so hard to be because most imagist writers render their material with the same tone of irony and self-consciousness that their ancestors, the literary insurgents of beat and postmodernism used so effectively to rebel against their own world and context. And the reason why this irreverent postmodern approach fails to um, help the imagist transfigure TV is simply that TV has beaten the images to the punch. The fact is that for at least 10 years now, television has been ingeniously absorbing, homogenizing and representing the very cynical postmodern aesthetic that was once the best alternative to the appeal of low over easy mass marketed narrative and how TV has done this is blackly fascinating to see. So anyway, sorry, that was a very long passage, but I think, I think that sort of gets at the, the problems then of, of trying to incorporate television into fiction. And I think it's, fascinating to to sort of compare that to the problems with trying to do that with the internet because i think there's similarities and there's differences
0: yeah yeah absolutely especially the idea of this thing absorbing Mm -hmm. the the borg-like almost the weapon that you (laughs) were trying to use to fight it
1: right exactly the internet is
0: extremely good at that
1: Mm no 100 percent and I think the difference between TV and the internet is that TV is something sort of unidirectional, like it's, yeah. it's coming at you, whereas the internet is obviously you're you're part of it, <laughs> and you're you're influencing it in in maybe a very small way, but in a in a definite way.
0: Right, <laughs> right. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How would you get across that, like? multi-directional just buried in in too much information from too much chatter and too many sources
1: yeah uh you know book ha- which it's is hard to say i think the best example i can think of from recent years is the book ducks Newburyport, port mm. which was like it came out i want to say 2019 and uh i want to shout out my friend james webster who wrote an excellent article about why it's like the definitive internet novel which I agree with yeah. because it is it's again it's it's not really about something like Facebook but it is from the it is a, st- a completely stream of consciousness like you know thou- thousand page doorstop from the point of view of of this sort of middle-aged American woman who when you read this and I, I don't mean this in a in a judgmental way but her mind has been melted by stuff like facebook and it and you see the sort of fracturing of her thoughts because of how the internet has and and the sort of constant deluge of news that you get from being online has right. shaped the way she thinks about things and reacts to things and i i, I, th- I think it's fascinating i think it, it's really well done and and i think that's one of the best ways you can do fiction about the internet
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's think of some other. Well, let's take a look at some other uh, writers and other people who've Mm -hmm. done some really good novels or short stories about the Internet. I've got to plug June Martin's flash fiction piece in Blood Knife. It was Mm -hmm. Blood Knife's first uh, published work of fiction. I sexually identify as the I sexually identify as an attack helicopter controversy.
1: Oh, yes. I I remember when that came out. That was really good. I I like that one a lot
0: it was brilliant and i i i love i love the opening log off can't be done some people are online but i am online <laughs> i am online it, with that emphasis when you realize what she means by that you're like
1: mm-hmm. Fuck! <laughs> I love
0: it. It's fantastic. And it really it, is. Yeah. It it gets across the absolutely bizarre social dynamic of a weird online Twitter feeding frenzy, <laughs> and and how it can like take over your life. Even though at the same time, like, it is just it is just online. I, I, mm-hmm. That that is part of I think part of why a lot of writers maybe don't put it online or put in don't include the internet into our fiction as much partly because we're fucking embarrassed (laughs) a little bit because like i spend too much time on twitter and you start realizing how mad you get how mad how angry you let this stupid thing make you when it's like i really should just go outside Literally touch grass. Yeah. Really should just touch some fucking grass. And, <laughs> and there is still a lingering idea, which I, th- I think reasonably, maybe less so, especially with younger people, especially with younger people who've been isolating for two fucking years, mm-hmm. that the internet isn't real and it's not important. Like, what's that? What do you mean you're being cyber bullied? Just log <laughs> off, go outside. <laughs> Like, <laughs> there is that sense of embarrassment, I think, that, that we're including this thing that even though it's obviously important to us, and obviously, such a big part of our lives, there's a part of us that acknowledges like, it really shouldn't be.
1: <laughs> no, that's completely true. Yeah, I when we're sort of looking at compiling a list of good examples, I also have to shout out the ongoing comic uh which i really really like from max graves called what happens next Mm -hmm. which is part of the digital anthology that you sent me
0: Um, yeah the very online digital anthology which is extremely good it's on Itch. (laughs) it's like a pay whatever you want and it's just a collection of fiction poetry comics whatever about being extremely online and it's Mm -hmm. really really good in that it gets to it, it, it actually gets the dynamic. And looking at very online, I think the thing about it that is good is that there is the sense of... of- embarrassment in oneself and the willingness to make oneself look ugly which I something I'm thinking about just as as Mm -hmm. we're talking about this writers are supposed to present a a certain way on social media and it's this very writerly way and it's like I'm so great hashtag I am writing I'm amazing I'm so wise and anyone who dunks on me is a terrible peasant and I'm wonderful and I think that need to present yourself that kind of Prevents you from writing good internet-based fiction, and in that you can't admit to yourself that you are absolutely just as bad a, a fucking worm in the dirt as anybody else. And
1: oh yeah, and I very think...
0: online is very good at admitting, like, nope, we're all worms.
1: Yeah, no, I. If I think about how how social media, I don't know, shapes my perceptions and causes me to act, it is it is not good. I, I remember both times I've lived outside of America for substantial amounts of time and had my sort of my my relationship with America be largely mediated through the internet because I'm not there, you know. Right. I I found myself really really just 100% hating it, just being so so embarrassed and and to be clear, like there's lots of reasons to to hate it and be embarrassed by it. I'm not saying there's not. Right. But it it was like I only saw the bad and I only saw what was horrible and embarrassing and it was because I was looking at my Twitter feed and looking at whatever news came up regarding stuff happening in America and not living in where I used to live and interacting with actual people. Right. <laughs> Which would perhaps temper my judgment of the entire <laughs> nation. <laughs> Which I, I just found it becoming very harsh. Well and and I guess it also, social media makes me sort of quicker to judge or put people into categories or oh, yeah. stuff like that. And and you have to sort of step back and take a breath sometimes <laughs> uh, because you are really just seeing the, I don't know, in a lot of places online, you're, you're seeing people really vent ugly parts of themselves. And uh, it can be hard to look at for too long.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I, I, I really do think that a big part of good or effective internet fiction is you have to acknowledge that this is the bad part of you <laughs> that is probably showing or this is the id or this is a part of you that's kind of shamelessly performing in a very particular way to get likes and, and engagement and mm. you know, to win imaginary internet points. And, oh, yeah. And that you're becoming like meaner in order to get those imaginary internet points and it's when you actually have to think about that about yourself you get you get a little embarrassed as right. as one should um yeah. and i do think that a heck of a whole lot of writers don't want to do that i would not trust a writer like say sarah dessen <laughs> to have the kind of <laughs> self-awareness to be willing to do that in a meaningful way right
1: right 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 Oh God, I remember that. You said that name, and and I was like, "Where do I know that from?" I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> all that."
0: <laughs> yeah, <I'm-
1: laughs> yeah. I guess the there is like a, re- and I I want to plug this because you know it won a bunch of awards, so it's not like you know it's relying on me for sales or anything. But I I want more people to read the the graphic novel Sabrina, by Nick Dernasso. I want to say that's how you say his name. And I apologize if I get that wrong. but I have no um, no idea. It is a really excellent, really quite dark graphic novel about a woman named Sabrina who goes missing. And sort of the main character is this military guy. And, and Sabrina's boyfriend comes to stay with him. And he's friends with Sabrina's boyfriend. And then you sort of see the story of what has happened and what continues to happen unfold from there. About what happened to Sabrina, and then what the internet and a radio program that's a bit Alex Jones-ish makes of it, and what that does to the people that Sabrina was close to, and 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 how it affects them mentally, and and how they sort of get in the eyes of people who don't know them, completely dehumanized and and really put through the ringer for essentially no reason and it's it's really fascinating I I'm I'm being intentionally vague because I don't want to give too much of it away which I feel I've already done a little too much but I I just want to talk about how that really does go into the the dark parts of the dehumanization of just being a figure on the internet to people and what it allows
0: people to do to you
1: and it's right it's just really excellent and and
0: haunting. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, has there been a really good piece of fiction that's similar in format to the whole, these weird situations where not, not just a murder victim, but also maybe a living person becomes an obsession of the internet. I'm thinking specifically Mm. of the horrifying story of Chris Chan, who's a person who's just been like kind of stalked or followed by this crowd of anonymous people for what, at least 10 years? There is more information on Chris Chan's life than there is about fucking Abraham Lincoln.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember the, the Christian thing starting. I I must have been in either middle or high school and it's still going, which is insane. And I can't imagine what that would do to someone's psyche,
0: like to be in the center of that. I I think... Or, or what drives a person in their psyche to do that? To be, right, I am going to gonna spend to my life yeah. obsessing over this person. Isn't this person weird? Mm-hmm. Isn't this person that I spend at least 12 hours a day thinking about who I've never met and never <laughs> will met. Isn't this person weird and right. not me? I'm definitely not weird in this. Yeah, it's sort of the, 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 the darker, uglier side of the,
1: the Stan culture thing which is also a really interesting phenomenon. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of Stan culture, I mean, I, I whenever you're online and anywhere engaged, relatively in fandom space, I just think about Annie Wilkes so much and how she's like... Yes. She's like the internet before it existed. <gasps> yeah, even so right. somehow managed to, to find the internet before it was the internet, <laughs> and it is Annie fucking Wilkes. That's so true. I saw you actually in
1: we're getting very online here i saw you either retweeted or liked something about someone saying you don't deserve to have ocs if you treat them badly and other people should (laughs) have which is Honestly, that was incredibly funny to read but also you <laughs> wonder it's like you hope that was a joke. <laughs> you hope that was a joke post. I don't know. It's hard know. it's hard to say. God, yeah. Literally that. Yeah. You just, dirty bird. <laughs> oh god. Uh. Yeah, it and and sort of the the online backlash that you get as a writer, it must be just constantly misery times a thousand from random anonymous internet people
0: yeah he, i mean it depends it, it it's weirdly random i feel like the people who get that backlash it well it's not to, totally random because it's women like nine mm-hmm. times out of ten but also the thing that it that brings it on is often totally innocuous and you would <laughs> never expect like really this is the thing that everyone got mad at right said way more controversial shit and i just just said i don't like strawberry ice cream and like people are calling me a murderer now the right just happened
1: yeah you had the the whole deal with the the fan fiction thing oh a while back i'm so sorry i've that seen that so many
0: sci-fi writers say very similar things to what i said and get no pushback and i can't help but notice that they're largely men yeah can't help but notice that and also <laughs> men who have a little bit more power in the industry so. well it's
1: and and to quote someone who has been a guest on this podcast and whose writing i enjoy very much gretchen felker martin she wrote an essay that i think was actually in the very or online digital anthology about like and she sort of analyzed why it is that it's it's nearly always women that get that sort of yep. intense attack and, and it's almost certainly because of the, the attacker's sort of uh, subconscious or possibly not subconscious, possibly just conscious misogyny and right. the sort of desire to to put down a woman in whatever context where you can still convince yourself that you're the good guy.
0: Oh, right. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually protecting myself. I'm protecting marginalized (laughs) people. And by marginalized people, I mean me specifically.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh
0: Oh, gosh. But, but but we're getting off topic. Back to fiction (laughs) with internet. And, and I really strongly recommend the very online digital anthology. It's really, really good. We will include a link to it in, in the episode show notes, because it's highly recommended support inter support independent fiction support interesting stuff like this it it's super good it's super cool so let's see some other fiction that deals with the internet for better or for worse you put duck's newberry port i remember oryx and crake did have it at least in parts but i kind of felt like it didn't work as well just because I was I read that book pretty recently like a couple of years ago and it's very clearly about the early 2000s internet Mm. but it's supposed to take place in the future Mm. the way they're engaging with inter the internet I don't think there's even really social media yet right it's just websites and it's like oh I mean granted it's Margaret Atwood it's it's a super old lady writing about what the internet's going to look like in the future she's not going to fucking know
1: right can't
0: expect it but it just Made the whole thing feel weirdly dated.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't read that one, but it, it's always hard <laughs> whenever you see sort of, and I guess this is a sci-fi thing more often when people try to predict right. what the internet's going to be. It's more, more miss than hit, obviously, I, I, both in terms of being accurate and in terms of being good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of miss the weird early 90s like computers or wizards. Yes. <laughs> versions of what the internet will be and it's always this extremely graphic, I guess virtual reality interface, made the Matrix type thing and it's kind of great. I I kind of miss those because yes, they were wildly inaccurate, but at least they were fanciful and kind of fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, I-, I remember you you put on the the sort of list here um talking about fiction that uses the internet as a format which is i think another really fascinating uh t- type of fiction
0: right. as well yeah there i, I know a super sad true love story by gary steingart i believe uses uh the internet as a format using mostly mm-hmm. texts and dms i haven't read that book though so i can't really talk about it <laughs> yeah i haven't either so
1: <laughs> i should have i did not do
0: my homework it won a bunch of awards which means it's either very good or very bad
1: (laughs) yeah no i i definitely i i see you wrote down ted the caver here i loved that's an iconic piece of internet fiction to like internet based fiction to me yeah
0: yeah i feel like internet based fiction is definitely like a different animal like
1: yeah and that's like a very like web 1.0 it's such a good like Part of why that's so good to me is it's like a a, a snapshot of, of the way the internet used to be
0: in addition to being the, like, spooky story that it is. Right. Right. Well, we talked... We had a... a- Creepy pasta episode, and we were talking about how much of traditional horror and gothic is about lost media. Like mm-hmm. it was at castle of Otranto, I think, said, "Ah, this novel was was rewritten from an original manuscript found on an old scroll discovered in, a, <laughs> in an ancient castle, and stuff like so much of it is this came from a centuries old book. This was copied from a clay tablet, and." Mm-hmm the fact that it is old school like geo City's internet works in its favor because it's kind of like if the only re- way you could read castle of otranto is if it was <laughs> on a decaying old papyrus
1: right you know? exactly yeah it's no So completely. fucking good no it's awesome yeah i i love stuff like that a lot of like creepypasta as the name implies gets copied and pasted out of its original format but with ted caver you have to go to the original web page and it's so much better for it
0: and it's the experience of you keep hitting next 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 next, yes next, and then the and page then it just starts refreshing oh yeah it's so good <laughs> and it dawns yeah. on you like oh no mm-hmm. that's it <laughs> yeah it's awesome
1: yeah i I, hate, I never know how to say this is it 17776 I, I don't, don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, I've know. I've never written it, but uh that's that's a great one. It's obviously. brilliant.
0: It really uses the internet as as a platform for fiction in just a fantastic way of of incorporating Google Maps and videos and audio and 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 scrolling text and and it incorporates so much into this amazing extent. I don't know if I've ever seen someone use the internet so effectively in in such a varied way on Mm -hmm. web-based fiction. It's not just, let me put some words on a page, but it's like, I know it's super corny to say it's a multimedia experience, but it is. And it works. And it doesn't feel cutie or gimmicky. It's all incorporated in together really, really effectively.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking now of, and this isn't an internet-based thing, but it is, it's also not written fiction. It's a it's a movie which I haven't shut up about since I saw it because it's it's quite I don't know, it's it's gotten into my head. It's called We're All Going to the World's Fair, which technically came out last year but is now sort of more widely available. And it is about
0: creepypasta. Um I've heard very good things about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it is, you th- You think it's sort of going to, or at least I did, maybe I'm stupid, but I thought it was going to be a creepypasta movie and it is about creepypasta, but it is more about online communities and the types of people who create and sort of sustain these s- stuff like Creepy Pasta's online sort of creepy myths. And ha- how, do- how does that sort of sustain itself? Stuff like Slenderman, people do have to make the videos the writing the whatever Mm -hmm. and so it's about the people who create and like curate the stuff that goes into these online myths and it is about this relationship between uh, a teenager who's started making these youtube videos these are you know spooky youtube videos i'm doing the world's fair challenge which is like the the creepypasta thing in the for this movie which was sort of created for the movie and about this sort of middle-aged guy who is encouraging her to continue posting this stuff. And what, what is so fascinating and really got under my skin and, and was scary about this movie to me was, was less so the, the, the myth of the World's Fair or whatever. And more the very odd relationship, the very odd, hard-to-pin-down relationship between these two characters like what what exactly does this guy want is he is he trying to is he deliver is he sort of like a, a writer in a way is he trying to curate this online community because he likes the story and he wants to create a story does he there's implicate there's sort of hints that he might think it's actually real he might for some reason think this this online myth is real and he's a paranormal investigator kind of a thing or is he, like, a pedophile? And it is right. very unclear. And, and so it's 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 a fascinating movie about, like, online spaces like that and online creators. And so I super recommend it.
0: Um, that sounds so good. And I yeah. hope it comes into a theater in my area because I want to see it in the theater. Even though I'm yes. sure watching it at home by yourself on a laptop is probably even more effective.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's pros to either format, but uh super recommend it. Either way.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Other fiction that incorporates the internet or sort of about the internet or deals with the internet. We wrote Sabrina. We talked about. Let's see. Uh, Do we want to discuss Black Mirror? Or is there (laughs) anything we can add to the discussion about Black Mirror that hasn't already been said?
1: Yeah. I have only seen like the first couple of seasons of Black Mirror. And it was more miss than hit for me. I guess there were a couple episodes I liked, but they were, I don't know. They were the ones that were less so what if your mom was an app? Um like right. I, I remember liking the first one about the the prime minister and the pig. It was very grotesque. Right. And technically it involved the internet, but it, it was less what it's what Black Mirror's been come come to be known for, I guess.
0: Right. I, I mean I guess I guess the idea of trying to explore the horror of and weirdness of social media by making it, what if it was physically real? Like, you mm-hmm. know, how after your loved one dies and their social media profiles are still out there and you cling to it, but it's this fake mm-hmm. version of who they were. Well, what if it, you could get like a, a, a physical dude who was based on that? It's like, right? well, you can't. Like, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's a way to, well, what if this thing was, phys- you know, what if you could block people for real in real life and they couldn't oh, see yeah. you? Like, okay, but you you can't. yeah you can't it's not that would be very horrible but it's not real and i Mm -hmm. I mean i guess it is it's called a restraining order but you know right like it just kind of comes across as old man panicking about something that's not really that much of a problem or having trouble articulating like yeah these things really are kind of fucked up and and frustrating Mm -hmm. bad dynamics but you just kind of made them look a little ridiculous now
1: yeah yeah no, I I think there's there is other fiction about social media that t- t- goes so much better into the dark side of it than I don't I don't fault them pe- pe- I don't fault anyone for trying to do stuff like that with right. with science fiction or or whatever they choose right, to Of course. Yeah. But I think stuff like The Comic What Happens Next or stuff like Sabrina goes so much more into what's dark about it and maybe that's maybe that's a personal preference just because in both cases i think they focus a lot on the interactions between the characters like the 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 interpersonal dynamics and and how they're affected by various fucked up internet cultures things in in whatever either
0: removed or very very direct way yeah and 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 probably i'm guessing that a lot of the stuff here, too, like I, I think Charlie, I respect a lot of Charlie Brooker's writing and the like screen wipe and stuff like that is really good. But a lot of a lot of Black Mirror kind of feels like it comes from a very well to do the perspective of someone mm. who's well to do and pretty well protected. And the worst thing that social media is going to do to them is they'll get canceled, quote unquote, but not really mm-hmm. like maybe maybe their one stand up comedy special will be canceled one time, but they'll bounce back. Right, and that'll be it, and that's the worst thing that can happen. And so, you get a well-connected guy with a cushy media job who's very unlikely to actually lose that job. Maybe he'll have to film an apology video exactly. or something, going like, "Ah, the internet." It's like, well, you're you're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be okay. Versus someone who is actually at really legitimate feeling unsafe someone who's a lot more vulnerable in a much mm-hmm. more real tenuous way like from what I can tell the family in Sabrina who becomes mm-hmm. I mean I mean if Alex Jones decides to make a conspiracy theory off of you then you're fucked
1: yeah like exactly those poor Sandy
0: Hook parents Jesus Christ those poor people
1: yeah the crime in Sabrina is not what happens at San- what happened at Sandy Hook but the reaction to it is very similar and it is obviously just very sort of horrifying to witness the the impact on the people who are already deeply impacted by the disappearance of this woman so
0: right yeah. like you can't even grieve cuz now you got to mm-hmm. deal with this other shit too mm-hmm. like I keep thinking about how the one of the parents the Sandy Hook victims had to rebury their kid in an unmarked mm-hmm. grave because right. infowars fans kept trying to dig it up to prove yeah. that it wasn't a real body, there, like Jesus fucking Christ, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it doesn't get much worse than that. That's honestly, just, grieving your kid in a mass shooting is bad enough without fucking. You can't even do the normal grief ritual things that that usually are supposed to help a little bit. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, but sorry, I got too grim. Other, <laughs> other internet-related novels you mentioned in the outline in 2021—the novels' fake accounts—and no one is talking about this or released.
1: Yeah, so I think those would, that the um, article that I sort of quoted from at the beginning was one of the sort of crop of articles that came out that that prompted. And I don't know if you remember this—it was very short-lived—the discourse about the internet novel that was like early 2021 or like spring 2021 super short-lived
0: I, I barely remember
1: yeah so because there was not much to say i think is why it did not <laughs> continue <laughs> for very long but it was just because these sort of two novels were published within a couple weeks maybe maybe like a month of each other as i recall and so people are like wow this is the new big trend and and i thought that a lot of the reporting around the internet novel was sort of it didn't go into why writing about the internet was interesting at least to me and i was sort of disappointed not not by the novels themselves but by the the discourse around it <laughs> just being like it's a social media novel what do we think kind of a thing instead of yeah. really getting deep into it and and about how the internet shapes the way you think and what that means for writing
0: right right
1: yeah so
0: but yeah yeah. that's that's too bad let's see i'm trying to think another famous internet novel in recent years ready player one i suppose (sighs) oh man that one i guess in terms of online gaming and the metaverse which wasn't even called the metaverse back then but virtual reality and online gaming spaces and i i I haven't read that book i did unfortunately see the movie and the impression i got it's like (laughs) to me it's a horror story that doesn't know that it's a horror story
1: i also watched the movie without reading the book um i started to read the book and i could not do the i couldn't do the writing style it was the same actually with and i'm sorry if this offends people out there it was it was the same thing as like the martian by andy weir mm. i could not do it the the voice that was used was it just it wasn't my thing so with the ready player one it's just the constant sort of barrage of of references if i was being charitable maybe maybe i could say uh, perhaps he was doing it to make a point about but I, I don't think he was I no, think no
0: he wasn't It was. <laughs> this is awesome right isn't this yeah. great like no like I feel like a slightly smarter more self-aware author could have done this a little bit uh, with some tweaks and turned it into this generation's the iron dream or something <laughs> that would have been fucking brilliant like if Oliver right. Verhoeven had adapted it for screen instead of Steven Spielberg it would have been brilliant Okay, Paul Hogan's Ready got.
1: Player One would actually rule. I would, it would watch be,
0: that. It would be so good. It would horrify <laughs> everybody. People would walk away from the theater traumatized. <laughs> it would be amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that that actually would have been awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I feel like that one again. It's it's the unwillingness to look at your own ugliness. That doesn't mm-hmm. work. Like our guy, he, he's he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's good. There's an unwillingness to confront. Like I really shouldn't be spending my life this way,
1: right? This
0: isn't good for me.
1: Yeah, and and just the I don't know. It 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 works in a way if you I guess kind of remove the sort of death of the author it a little bit. It it works in a way just like you said as kind of a horror thing just this character who has devoted his entire life to memorizing trivia
0: in Specifically of, memorizing trivia about the 80s because this one rich guy loved the 80s a lot right like, like this cult, like this said. ossified culture based on the whims of of a fucking plutocrat's corpse That's fascinating. That's an amazing premise for some sort of dark satire.
1: Right, exactly. No, it it completely is. You're right. But unfortunately, I think the execution,
0: (laughs) not so much. I know. If there had been a heavy dose of irony or something, this could have been a fucking brilliantly dark satirical novel. And Mm -hmm. it was not. Right. It was not. Well, maybe
1: someone will someday do something. (laughs) I guess so. Oh, we can only hope yeah <laughs> yeah i remember just seeing what being in the movie theater and just sort of watching it and i'm like why is why is tracer overwatch on the screen <laughs> i <laughs> i was dead sober watching that movie and i was like i i don't know if being
0: like intoxicated will help or hurt in this situation <laughs> I, I remember seeing the iron giant on the screen and getting so upset because the whole <laughs> point of the iron giant is that it's this beautiful story about pacifism right. and free will and it's like i turned it into a mindless weapon of violence yeah like,
1: motherfucker but had you considered that it's an epic robot who you could, son like, of a you <laughs> fucking
0: bastard i'm so mad how dare you he did not die for this yeah (laughs) he did not stop the cold war for this
1: (laughs) oh god i haven't (laughs) seen the iron giant since i was a kid i remember liking it it's a very good movie
0: it's yeah i need to revisit that it's beautiful
1: definitely now i imagine it's something it's something like putting princess mononoke in there it's like Uh, what are you doing (laughs) yeah i don't know maybe maybe they did i maybe i maybe it blocked it out maybe she was part of the the charging army (laughs) at the end or whatever that was.
0: God, whatever the fuck that was. The gamer army. But like that, uh, eh, I shouldn't talk about that anymore or else I'll just <laughs> keep getting more upset. Fiction fiction that uses the internet as a format. Effectively. Mm-hmm. Fiction that uses the internet as a platform. Because so many like web-based publications kind of struggle to stay afloat oh. or to make money.
1: I, I just thought of an example of a Ooh. one that I, I quite like. Maybe and and maybe people will think I'm corny for liking this, but there's a it. It's not necessarily like a creepy pasta, but it's called a mother horse eyes or nine mother nine horse nine eyes, depending on how you want to pronounce that out loud. Yeah, it's it's this piece of fiction which has since been sort of compiled into one one place if you ever want to just read through it which i recommend because initially it was this guy who was posting in reddit threads it initially started out with one of the early examples is some you know like are interesting being like this is a american army guys doing drills on lsd and it was someone responding to that in 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 a way that like actually sort of did at in the first sentence address the topic and then it segued into this story about this thing called like flesh interfaces i think is is the term that, they, that he used and it mm-hmm. is this sort of sci-fi narrative about people who they find sort of different parts of people in different places or they find people vivisected and so there's reports of during World War II, there's this guy who was like totally vivisected in this mountain in Japan, blah, blah, blah. And it's this guy who keeps posting these things in completely unrelated threads <laughs> yeah. on Reddit. And, like a and true it, weirdo. Like a true weirdo. And and at first you you thought, oh, this guy, is, this is a true weirdo. But people who sort of looked at his posts and actually look, looked at his user profile and looked at everything he was posting saw that it was actually a story that was being formed in these posts in these completely separate threads on completely separate subreddits and so they it's it sort of gets strung together into this very it it jumps around in time there's this section that's possibly like prehistoric there's a section that's sections that play, take place during world war 2 sections that take place in the in the future or near future and it's it is this sort of fascinating cronenberg/ slash it's not quite Philip K. Dick, but sort of Cronenberg sci-fi meets, honestly, parts of it do remind me of Infinite Jest. So like, it is, it is about, actually, it is about the internet in some way. That, that is not, not only is it internet-based fiction, parts of it are about the internet in a way that I think is good, is done well. And it is about sort of this VR internet sort of future version of it. Um, and mm. people who use it so much that they their physical bodies kind of deteriorate, and so it, it's a lot of body horror. It's I like it a lot, yeah. So it's really fascinating. But the the original format again was this guy just posting on different threads in Reddit, and and this sort of these fans of his posts compiling it for him. Which I think is it does, yeah. And I'm very grateful that they did that because I would not hop around between all those threads. I would not do that. I'm too lazy. No way. Yeah, I can I can send you the link to that. It is it's pretty cool.
0: I love it. I love it when people do that. It's almost like a form of performance art, and it can be so interesting. I, it's tricky though because like, the fact is that a thing like that is extremely hard to take credit for and monetize and Mm -hmm. things like that. And like it or not monetization is an incentive to do more of this thing and authorship and getting credit for something is an incentive to do that. And mm-hmm. on, on these formats on web-based formats and, and that ki- type of storytelling, it's super hard to do that. Like if, oh, if, yeah, if the had the caver page said at the end, well, I hope you liked this story. This is why my name, so-and-so here's my Patreon. It yeah. really would take away. It would just it take the totally wind would. out of your sails while you're reading it. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. And I, I can't blame any writer for one, for trying to monetize their work. I mean, if we have a Patreon for this podcast, we sell right. merch, we're not like you gotta eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially like these days. But it it's mm-hmm. just a kind of a bummer because doing this stuff really effectively is very, very hard right. to make money off of or get credit for, or get authorship off of and that I because right. you have to stay dis- in
1: character. Right. <laughs> and it's such yeah. a
0: discouraging factor, which understandably.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I I fully do respect people who who do stuff like that. I sort of grew up loving any stuff like that, you know, ARGs, you know, stuff like Mother Horse Eyes. I, I always loved it so much, so... Right. Yeah. Or,
0: or what's that weird Ben Drowned that series of videos of like yeah. I got a I got a haunted Majora's Mask <laughs> yeah. cartridge it's doing weird shit. <laughs> just met posted with, a with no thing. explanation and yeah. it's so weird and unsettling.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I loved that as like a teenager. <laughs> I was great. so into that. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. And and so the the sort of the authorship of of that that sort of thing again definitely recommend we're all going to the world's fair because it's one of the only pieces of media i've seen about people who make it whereas something like mother horse eyes is is it and we're all going to the world's fair is about the people who make it the online art right
0: yeah I, thinking about it now just just popping uh off my head an issue too i think with internet fiction or fiction versus internet communication it's not just how we write but how we read Mm -hmm. like when we're reading on the internet it's it's in these short bursts and we're distracted we got a bunch of tabs open all at once we're listening to music we're we're checking email blah 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 a book is just here's the book right the book is in front of you read the fucking book it's just a wildly different experience so not only do i find that writing online versus you know, reading a book versus the way you read online is different. I tend to find that online magazines often tend to publish with the stories that get big online are. I, I sound like a snob, but often not quite as deep to me as mm-hmm. stories as novels or, or stories that get big on paper, just because the stories that really work well online are ones that are not really meant to be read carefully and slowly contemplated and looked over right. death depth and yeah and it, think about succeed. like cat cat right. person kind of a thing yeah. like yeah. i thought that person was good mm-hmm. the ending felt a little cheap to be honest like right it, it took this guy who's like, this very realistic portrayal of a guy who kind of sucks and then it's like well we got to make him a straight up villain now ah just felt a little cheap
1: it and it felt like like we were talking about sort of putting care of putting people or i guess characters in this case into certain boxes just very sort of snap judgment things about them based on online like archetypes of people right and that, that's what the ending of that story felt like to me yeah it was, like oh, very like surprise, he's guy. a redditor yeah shitty guy you know whatever thing yeah i i thought the the reaction to cat person was also really fascinating because i felt like a lot of people m- missed the the point that was like very much in the text a lot of people being like the protagonist did nothing wrong or whatever and it's like i don't th- i don't think the author would say that like right. I-, I don't think so did you skim this
0: or something like <laughs> yeah
1: maybe because well, well, they the to it's, her. a lot of
0: it is fiction that is meant to be skimmed yeah and and the fiction that does well, at least online tends to be stuff either that's super short or mm-hmm. work that is best experienced skimming and not and work that kind of requires a certain amount of depth and and mm-hmm. and care and time tends not to do as well, unfortunately, right. And yeah, maybe that makes sense. sense me being a snob, but the reality is with a, if I'm reading a book, I'm just looking at the book. I don't have multiple tabs open,
1: yeah. And I think, like, Speaking of the internet and fiction, obviously, I think the social media addiction, at least for me, but I think for a lot of people our age and younger, it's sort of destroyed your ability to, to read as much as you used to. It, it has for me anyway. It shortened my attention span a lot. And, and so I've tried to sort of consciously get back into focusing on on reading and getting better at just sort of sitting there and finishing a whole book or whatever.
0: Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's probably yeah. why I do the monthly bonus episode book clubs. It's like Raquel, yeah. you have to read things that yeah. aren't online. Read it. you <laughs> have to read a book. Here's your fucking homework assignment.
1: Right. And and you see like a lot of posts from people who are like what happened to me when I was in the eighth grade, I could read five books a day, but now I'm a, I'm an adult. I'm a former gifted child and I'm an adult now. And I can't read anything except Twitter. And it's like, uh i think twitter's part of your problem there genuinely yeah. i'm Reading sure. and like, writing
0: too I, right. i've seen you see a lot of people I, I can be guilty of this to a certain extent but people who talk about oh i, I hate writing i'm never gonna finish this book i want to be a writer but i can't it's so hard to write it's like mm-hmm. well you're, you it's so hard to find the time to write it's like well you you just spent like three hours on twitter right exactly that could have been book time
1: Oh, 100%. And I want to be clear, but like, for both reading and in my case, drawing comics, I'm super guilty of this too. So like, oh, yeah, uh, I I want to say this, like with, with total empathy, or, you know, sympathy, rather, for people out there. Like, yeah, I get it. Me too. But
0: uh, I, I do some of my most productive fiction writing at work during downtime at the office because we have yeah. a firewall that blocks social media.
1: Oh, that's so lucky.
0: <laughs> I will, when there is downtime, I will just write work on a manuscript or something. And I usually get a fair bit of productive time because I, I re- genuinely, unless work interrupts me when I got to do work, it's like, yeah, I I can focus on this because I cannot mm-hmm. go on Twitter. I cannot go on social media at all.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. So yeah, so it's 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 fascinating fiction that sort of like duck's newburyport that that shows the way that your mind has been sort of swiss cheesed by the internet and your attention span is reduced and your thoughts are jumping around all the time. It's interesting the 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 sort of fun irony of that being a thousand page book <laughs> that yeah. you need to sit down and read.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But <laughs> But it sounds good. I've heard extremely good things about that book from multiple people now.
1: I liked it a lot. It is a, it is a pretty polarizing book as any sort of thousand page doorstop. Yeah, tends no to kidding. Be. <laughs> but I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really interesting and, and unique and like perceptive about, you know, a lot of stuff about the way we live now.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's cool. Maybe I'll check it out. A thousand fucking pages. It's. I don't it know is... if I can. I don't. I don't know if I have a thousand pages worth of <laughs> focus in me right now. Exactly. No, I. I do not blame you. It is. It's a commitment. But... I. I was trying to read Blood Meridian for a book club, and my eyes kept sliding off of it. I couldn't. I'm not. I'm not in the right headspace. You know what? I'm. I'm gonna read. <laughs> I'm gonna read Junji Ito for a book club. That's what we're doing. I need a book with pictures in it this month. I'm sorry.
1: No, both both great choices. Blood <laughs> Meridian sort of suffers from the the Faulkner thing. I love Blood Meridian, I love Faulkner, but it, it is prose that you need to focus on.
0: Yeah. yeah, right now my brain's just like nah, it's not exactly. Nope,
1: nope. you need to be in a very particular mood.
0: Yeah. And it's it's just not there. So so I am looking at, at pictures of spirals instead. It's pretty good. I love Uzumaki. It's a great choice. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> can't go wrong. So anyway, uh we've been talking for about an hour. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Any any internet-y fiction-y thing?
1: Honestly, I feel like we covered a lot of it. <laughs> good. I, I can't think of anything right now other than uh it's be, it's been really cool to talk about this with someone because I think it's like A really interesting phenomenon that obviously we will see more of in the future inevitably we'll see more of it in the future and we'll see how it you know changes and how people's reaction to it changes as well
0: yeah, I, I look forward to seeing like how it's done well or seeing people succeed in it, because that could be pretty interesting. I, I yeah. feel like Sayaka Murata could do an amazing job with it. Oh yeah. He is weird enough and breezy enough to to really make it work.
1: I feel like um, convenience store woman touched on the incel culture with that one character, the the guy. Yeah like, a little bit. So that,
0: or it's the story of a volcel versus an incel exactly. It's so good.
1: <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. No, i love that book yeah so it's I'm, awesome i'm
0: completely obsessed i mm-hmm. i fucking oh my god it's one of the most extraordinary books i've ever read
1: yeah <laughs> i'm gonna read her new one i haven't read it yet but i think uh, earthlings yeah
0: it's very good it, it awesome. goes full sicko mode um and she's got a collection of short stories i think coming out this summer and i am psyched the instant it comes out i am getting that book
1: awesome i yeah, will be I will like a weird star wars fan
0: out. camping outside the bookstore to be to get it on opening day or something
1: <laughs> exactly
0: like raquel you can just pre-order this and have it shipped to you no
1: no, I I feel like I feel like uh we we got to support the the weirdos out there.
0: I, I I need to line up. I need to sleep in a tent for several days. I need to wear a a Konburi uniform. To the, show the Barnes my and devotion. Noble doesn't
1: know what to do. They're like <laughs> like what is Is
0: this illegal? Like <laughs> who is this? Why are you lining up? There's no one else doing this. You don't need to do this. Exactly. I wanted to be first in line. There's no line. You're the only one doing this. There's no line yet.
1: You yeah. wait for all the other the the other real fiction heads to come out. That's right. Up.
0: The other Murata heads.
1: Yeah, <laughs> got to think of like the the like stand name for for oh, Murata. Yeah.
0: Sayako Murata fan cams.
1: No, I gotta make one. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so so why don't we wrap it up? Where can mm-hmm. our listeners find and support your work?
1: Yeah, so I'm on pretty much every social media. R. E. Parish, P. A. R. R. I. S. H. Comics. My website is reparishcomics.com, and I have a novella, graphic novella, out, kind of if you can call it that. It's like a, it's called bramadeus and it's a, it's a parody of of Amadeus by Peter right. Schapira. But featuring frat boys so you can uh, you can buy that from me online I, if I've you seen, want yeah i've
0: seen some of those comics they're very good thank they're you extremely funny
1: <laughs> thank you so much
0: it's a very 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 specific parody which i appreciate and respect
1: oh absolutely i mean i had to i i took my experience with with american greek life culture and i had to Put it somewhere. So that's that's my love letter, love hate letter to to Greek life in college. Yeah,
0: the combination of high culture and low culture, the and the fact that you chose Amadeus. Anyone could have parodied Star Wars or whatever. Anyone would recognize. Like, no, I I will compare the the trials and tribulations of the frat boy to the maddening jealousy of the tortured salieri exactly
1: that's exactly what being an frat is like it's exactly like Amadeus.
0: i am the patron saint of mediocrity <laughs> exactly oh god well that's great definitely check that out and 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 you you've probably seen you've probably seen these comics around if you're if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast you've probably seen our guest's comics they're very good Thank you All so right. much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and for suggesting this topic. It was a really, really good idea.
1: Yeah, thank you again for having me. I've been a, a very long-time listener of the podcast, so I was super uh, excited to to have you ha- have me on.
0: Yeah, I'll admit when when I realized that, like, because I'd seen, I think it was... I think it was the comic where the founders are deciding that they're going to put a very weird pyramid on the dollar. I think that I I remember coming across that comic on Tumblr like 10 years yeah. ago and going like, Yes, this is perfect. So it's really neat to have you thank on. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. That's all for this episode. If you like what you heard, head to patreon.com/slash writegood and subscribe. Until next time, keep writing good.
1: This has been Right Good with Raquel S. Benedict. Hosted by Raquel S. Benedict and produced by Matt Keeley for KS Media LLC. Theme song by Surgery Head. This has been a Kitty Sneezes production. For comments and concerns, please write to us at rightgood at kittysneezes.com. That is R I T E G U D at kittysneezes.com. If you'd like to support us, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com. Slash right good. Kitty dot com in color.